Be seated. I want to look at uh, probably just two portions of Scripture, one from uh, both of them from Paul, one from Galatians and one from the book of Romans. Galatians chapter three, and then we'll go to Romans chapter 13. Galatians chapter three says this. Uh, Paul, you know, in the ancient cultures, they they were very direct and uh, they weren't as worried about uh, how they said things. I'm sure people, well, we know people got triggered back then because they they would get rocks thrown at them and stuff. Or Paul's the guy that got stoned and left for dead and raised himself from the dead, went back to the city and started preaching again. But uh, anyway, uh, so you can get a feel for his personality in this passage for sure. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn from you one thing. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law? Or by believing what you heard. So, obviously, they had attained something and lost it. Or they were running a good course. In Galatians 5, he says, you were running a good race. Who who cut you off, right? In Galatians 3, he says, who has bewitched you? I want to focus on that statement. Because in the original language... And remember, this is an ancient culture where magic and witchcraft was very much still present and practiced and alive. And it literally does mean who who cast a spell on you, someone who cast a spell on you. So it literally is talking about witchcraft and about spells. So we could read it that way, too. Who's put a spell on you that you would not believe the truth, that you would deviate? So... The point I'm trying to make here, this was not a deviation from their path that came from within them. It was something that was put on them, really, by religious leaders, not by people who were practicing witchcraft. What had happened in Galatians was that there were was a group of people that they called the Judaizers. So, again, Paul is sent to the Gentiles, those that are not Jews, to preach that Jesus is the Messiah and that he is Lord and that what he did was for everybody and that you could have every bit as much access to Yahweh, the God of uh, Israel, who they believed was the creator God, uh, as the Jews. It had nothing to do anymore with natural birth. It had to do with faith. But because of the situation in Judaism at the time, It was believed that you had to keep the law in order to be right with God. And so what happened was you had a bunch of Jewish Christians, people who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed the message of Jesus, but they also believed that they were still sort of the chosen people. And that and so Christianity wasn't a separate religion. It was a stream within Judaism that believed that Jesus was Messiah. So if you were converting, you were converting to Judaism. You were just converting to a different stream of it. Does that make sense? 
And so you have all these Gentiles that come in, and they're not keeping any of the laws that Moses gave. So the Judaizers, these teachers come in, and they begin to tell them, no, 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 you can't have access to God just by faith, just by believing what you heard and believing that Jesus is the Messiah. You have to keep all these rules and keep all these regulations and laws in order to be right with God, in order to have his spirit and all those things. And so those teachers came in, and as they heard that teaching and agreed with it and believed it, Paul says it's having the same effect on you as if somebody came and did witchcraft or put a spell on you so that you would be messed up. Does that make sense? So he's, he's basically calling false teaching witchcraft and saying it's having the same effect. And it's almost like he's baffled. He's like, didn't you see the miracles? Didn't you see the signs and wonders? Didn't you see what the Spirit was doing? Why now, after beginning with that, are you doing something else? So it's really a picture of believers who attain something, uh, attain a position, if you will, in their walk with God, and then get set back or get knocked off course because they weren't discerning about what they listened to and the agreements that they made based on what they were hearing. So what you believe, what you agree with, what you allow into your field, let's say, uh, the information that you allow and that you agree with can either set you free or it can put you in bondage. It can either cause you to, to maintain where you are and progress or it can literally set you back. And then the question becomes, how much does it set you back? And how long does it set you back? And are you even aware that you've been set back? <laughs> because you believe it's the truth. Right? In Romans, um, we see a similar concept in Romans 13. Verse 11 He says, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake from your slum, to wake up from your slumber because, uh, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how you can gratify the desires of the flesh. Again, I want to draw your attention back to verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, to wake up from your slumber, and then to be of the day and to put on the armor of Light, he goes on to say. But the word for slumber there is an interesting word. In the Greek, uh, it's related to uh, hypnotic. It's hypnos. Wake from your sleep from your hypnos in the Greek. So when I say hypnos or hypnotic, what do you think of? Being hypnotized, right? Anybody ever seen like a... Uh, Stage hypnotist or anybody ever had any kind of exposure to hypnosis? And it's really funny, especially when you understand how it works. I remember a few years ago at the state fair at the Banshell, they had this um, stage hypnotist. And really, what, what a good stage hypnotist, they make these people do all these crazy things. 
But what they really are, they're not even that necessarily, this guy wasn't necessarily the best hypnotist, but in order to be a good stage hypnotist, what you have to do is be a good profiler of human behavior. Because they select from the audience who they're going to get. So generally what they're going to do is they're going to select people that really want to get up there and act like goofballs. There are some people that they just, they just want that. Now, I am not one of those. I remember way back in, uh, when I was going to Adam State as a freshman in college back in several decades ago. Um, it was the first time I was ever exposed to a stage hypnotist and, you know, the whole school was there. It was like this presentation and he puts this, um, this, uh, strobe light out there and you, you're looking at this strobe light and he's taking you to, you know, relaxation and all this stuff and taking you down and, and, uh, and doing these suggestions. And I was so shy and like not that kind of person at all that wanted that kind of attention. I was, I was, there was no way I was looking into that strobe light. Not because I had any religious convictions about it, not because I was afraid, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, it was because I was scared to death that I was going to go into some kind of zombie state and end up there acting like a fool. Now, here's the truth. There's no way, absolutely no way, that that's going to happen. Because that violates my own internal integrity. See, if hypnosis could make you violate your own personal integrity, then literally we could just learn hypnosis and fix everybody yeah. in, in, in therapy. Just boom, you'd just be fixed. You don't want to smoke? Okay, boom. You don't want to drink? Okay, boom. You know, I mean, you, know, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, so what, what happens on, in those stage hypnotic things is they, they weed out people who really don't want to do what they're going to tell them to do. And then all they do is give them permission to do what they want to do and believe that they're not responsible for it because they're hypnotized. <laughs> so, so they just give their ego, their mind, a convenient excuse to go do what they really want to do and not have to feel responsible for it. Does that make sense? So it couldn't do, it, it can't make you do something that's beyond your uh, willingness to do something. But here's what it can do. A good, a good hypnotist, and this probably would never happen on a stage because you'd have to have the right environment. But a good hypnotist can so change your perceptions of reality that they can literally hand you an onion... Now, these are all verified scientifically. They can hand you an onion, tell you it's a juicy Granny Smith apple, and you can sit there and eat the onion, and your eyes won't water, and you won't taste it, and it will taste to you exactly like a Granny Smith onion. They can make you not see things that are there, and make you see things that aren't there. <laughs> They've done all kinds of research on even surgeries. There's people who have uh, whole surgeries have been done on them when they were in a deep hypnotic state. There are people that, that can go in a hypnotic state and not bleed. Uh, have you ever heard of people doing firewalking? Anybody familiar with that? Um, so how many of you know who Tony Robbins is? Anybody know Tony Robbins? You don't know Tony Robbins? How can you not know Tony Robbins? Um, so he's like the epitome of the self-help 
uh, gurus that, that's out there. And he's been around forever, like forever, since the 70s. Um, how many of you saw the movie Shallow Hal? Anybody? <laughs> that's going back to the movie Shallow Hal. Uh, okay, I'm not necessarily recommending it. I think one or two people have seen it. But in the movie, this guy, uh, the Jack Black, plays this character who he's shallow because he only thinks about women in terms of their physical appearance. And so Tony Robbins is, makes a cameo appearance in the movie, and he hypnotizes uh, the Jack Black character, I think it was Jack Black, right? I got the right. He hypnotizes a Jack Black character, and so now there's this woman that our culture would say is unattractive, and he just sees her as the perfect epitome of what uh, our culture says is beautiful. And then kind of the whole message to the movie is is that, you know, beauty's only skin deep, and so he ends up falling in love with this person for who she is, not for what she looks like. So it's it's kind of a cute movie, but um, but the idea is... The manipulation of perception based on the power of suggestion. So, so Anthony Robbins or Tony Robbins, he doesn't do this anymore, but when he first started out, if you went to one of Tony's uh, seminars and he was a trained hypnotist, um, what you would do is at the end of the seminar, you would do firewalking. And so what that is, is they take literally coals of fire that literally are thousands of degrees in temperature. You take your shoes off and you walk across the, the coals. And again, here's something that's very ver- verifiably scientific. <laughs> and it goes to show you the power of belief. And so the point is, if you believe you can walk across coals without burning your feet, you can walk across coals without burning your feet. And so Tony would do these seminars and he would, he would prove that kind of thing. Now, I think there were some people who didn't believe it. <laughs> so he quit doing it. <laughs> but these are things you can look up. And, and it's, not, it's not, I don't believe, I, I suppose there are some things out there that are just demonic. We're so quick to label things demonic sometimes in the church because we so devalue human potential. That we believe, I mean, that makes no sense to me, really. Here we are, we are created in the image of God. Now, what does that mean? God doesn't have, I mean, Christ, yes, but Jesus said God is spirit, so he doesn't have eyeballs and ears and, I mean, you know, it's not this physical body that's made in the image of God. And he's certainly smarter than us, so it's not our minds that are made in the image of God, but, but we can believe in this creator that can do anything, right? And yet understand that we're created in his image and give ourselves no credit for having any godlike potential. So anything that happens in a lot of places, they just say, well, that's the devil. Like you have no power at all. And so you're doing something either by the power of the spirit of God or by the power of the devil. I actually reverse that. <laughs> I think the potential is in us, and I think anything, any supernatural acts that are demonic, certainly there are, there are real demons that have power and energies that people tap into that, that, uh, that, um, you know, people that practice black magic and that kind of stuff tap into. But most, a lot of times, what you're dealing with on basic levels is entities who don't have power, and they're like parasites and have to suck off the power that's in you that's latent, that hasn't been awakened yet, that you don't even know you have. And so a lot of stuff that we label demonic, 
like, let's say, firewalking. Well, Tony Robbins must be of the devil. <laughs> but I happen to know for a fact that Tony Robbins has done a lot of good to help and heal a lot of people. So how could that be of the devil? I mean, do you, do you see what I'm saying? If every good and perfect gift... Why am I doing an apologetic for Tony Robbins? I have no idea. If every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of Lights, then as those good gifts are coming, let's, why can't we say, you know, God's good and he causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. And he gives thanks to people that maybe don't think and believe exactly like us because he's into the benef- benefiting and promoting of humanity regardless of their race or color or creed or sexual preference or whatever the case may be. Right? Make sense? So... My point is the the power of our beliefs to change our experience and the power of our beliefs to change our perceptions and and our susceptibility, our incredible susceptibility to being programmed. Now, this works against us. Certainly, we see this in. In uh, Galatians, who has bewitched you or who has programmed you to believe something different than what you were believing before? Because here's what I mean, if you look at it from a programming standpoint, who has programmed you to believe like this? Because the programming you had before was working so well for you. How come you abandoned that programming that was working so well and you've adopted this other programming that's not working so well? And Paul's trying to wake them up. He's trying to get them to come out of their slumber. He's trying to get them to come out of their hypnosis. Because apparently the teachers were so effective or they were so persuasive or they were so powerful that they were able to implant the suggestions inside of the people's minds. But they had to do that to themselves, which is why still I'm bringing up the the stage hypnotists or trying to help you understand that that the power to change your experience only comes from you. In other words, two people can hear the same message. One person's life can be totally transformed by that message, and the other person's life can be totally messed up by the message, based or, or unaffected by the message, and it all depends on what that person did with what they heard. That's why Jesus said over and over again, take heed what you hear. In the book of Revelation, over and over again, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Because ultimately, we decide the the, the power to alter perceptions of reality comes from within us. Now, here's the good news about it. If it's that easy to change programming, that you would abandon something, that these people would abandon something that's working for them in order to embrace something that's much harder and much more laborious that isn't working for them like that, This had nothing to do with going back into their childhood. I mean, how many of you have ever heard, sometimes, you know, the stuff we hear and buy into. How many of you have ever heard, like if you're a parent, you think about this, um, that most of your programming is set by the age of seven. Right. And so and and so most of the problems that you have, there's a certain mindset out there. Most of the problems that you have go back to before you were seven. And then if you're a parent, like, I'm thinking, okay, Eli's already either made or break. We've already made him or broke him because <laughs> he just had his seventh birthday. So, you know, as a parent, what's the point? Uh, and Josiah, we got one more year, and that's it. I mean, that, that's insane. 
right? That's another hypnosis, if you will, to make us believe. Because how many of you remember stuff that happened to you before you were seven? Most of us don't. So that's just a, well, some of us might, but, <laughs> but, but for a lot of us, that's just a belief to keep us trapped and stuck in a pattern because we think we have to go back and have this perfect memory about how something happened in order to change it. And so we believe we've got to go back in order to change stuff, but you can't go back. And so it's not about going back. It's about what you are agreeing with and believing in the moment. So on the negative side, you can go from something that's really working for you and, and accept a belief and end up in a ditch and end up maybe years of uh, pouring your life into something or missing out on opportunities or whatever based on something that you believed, an agreement that you made, and waste all that time. But the flip side is also true. You can have a mess. You can be in a ditch. You can have all kinds of problems. And by simply shifting and believing different information and making different agreements, you can change your perceptions radically alter your perceptions of life and your perceptions of reality. And when that happens, then you alter the way you live. And when you alter the way you live, you begin to change and create new outcomes, particularly when you get into understanding who God is and you get into understanding who you are as a, as a child of God. And so what are the messages that are being sent? Are the messages that are being sent... See, that's, I really think, and I know I sound like, like I don't know why I just can't seem to get away with, from this, but I mean, here we are. We, we have been given so much wealth and abundance in Christianity, in, in the authentic message of Jesus, and the person of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and all those things, right? But for much of us, we were raised hearing that we couldn't giving our power away <laughs> that we were sinners that we were um, wrong that uh, we didn't have any power that you just you pray to God and, and and if you do something you know and it's good you better not take any credit for it because then you're taking glory away from God so so you can't ever attribute anything positive in your life to yourself yeah. now think about that if you were in any other setting and they said look here's the deal <laughs> Anything positive, anything negative that happens in your life is your fault. So if something bad happens, you didn't have enough faith. If something bad happens, you did something and God's trying to teach you something. <laughs> if, uh, if something bad happens, you don't have any real power to change it. You just need to submit yourself to whatever the will of God is. And we never know what that is because, you know, he doesn't think like us. His ways are not our ways. I mean, I don't know, maybe you guys were programmed differently, but no, I still, I, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. I, you know, I, I was thankful I, I got invited to an FCA dinner, and it was really great, and, and, uh, and I went with Don and Jesse, and it was wonderful, and we had a great time with them. And then I remember, you know, the, the, one of the local preachers gets up to give the uh, invitation to receive Christ, and I just, I'll never forget it. It's an experience that will stay with me as long as I live because of the impact it had on me. Um, but he says, I want every single one of you to in here, listen to me, young people, listen, you know, all teenagers, middle school, high school, whatever, college, early college. I want you to hear me. You were born, and in my mind I finished the sentence because I'm thinking you were born unique, 
You were born with a purpose. You were born with a destiny. You were born loved by God. You have value. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking that. And this is the next words I hear. A dirty, rotten sinner headed straight for hell. And it was like a sharp iron. I mean, seriously, here I am, a preacher, right? And I'm just like, ugh, it just got me. And it's like I remembered, because I've been out of that system, I rejected that system so long ago that I forgot it even existed. But I forgot, you know, the foundation of Western Christianity is you suck really badly. And when you figure that out, then you can realize Jesus doesn't. And if you believe in him, you'll be okay. I forgot that. that, You see what I'm saying? And so my point is that mess. And then you hear it in songs. When you become aware of it, your Christian songs, you start hearing it. And and so everything kind of begins from this place of we're the sinner and we're limited. And so here's what we're taught. Let me go back to this. We're taught anything bad that happens in your life is not God's fault because God is good, but it might be his will and you just don't understand it. So we don't know. But anything bad happens is either you caused it because you sinned, somebody else caused it because they sinned. you did something and God has to teach you something. You didn't have enough faith, so you didn't get the outcome. Whatever the case may be. But if it goes bad, it's your fault. But if anything good happens, if you get a new job because you prepared yourself, you, you did good on the interview, and you have a skill that you've equipped yourself with. Um, you sing a, a great song at the Christmas talent show or whatever at the church. Uh, you... I don't know. You help somebody financially. Somebody's hurting and you've got goods and you have a generous heart and you help them financially. Any of that good stuff, don't take credit for it. Because that's, t- that's stealing glory from God. That's taking glory to yourself. So, so just say, well, um, it's, it's, be, I, it's because God. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Well, I was just blessed to get that job. I mean, if, if I could tell you, you know, some of the clients that I work with, I can think about a guy right now. Brilliant. Smart, proven, made tons of money, lost tons of money. <laughs> and if, if I were to break his problem down to one thing, it's, an, it's what's called an attribution problem. All his success he attributed to God's blessing, God's favor, and God's luck. It had nothing to do with him being smart, had nothing to do with him being a go-getter, had nothing to do with him being good with people. Then when he lost it, everything he lost was his fault. So where does that leave him? That leaves him totally stuck because he cannot, he totally disempowered because he can't connect to the stuff that God gave him. Yeah, it comes from God. I came from God. You came from God. All this comes from God. That's just a given, right? But if you can't attribute to yourself, I have value because I'm smart. I have value because I'm whatever, good with people, good with my hands. I'm good with... Whatever it is, right? How are you, how are you gonna do in life? I mean, it's just, when you break it down like that, in any environment, it drives me nuts. Which is why I'm always on this soapbox, I guess it seems like, every week. Because it's like that's consistently the message that we hear. We're powerless, we're wrong, 
we're going to mess things up. We're going to have to be taught. We're, I mean, you, you hear what I'm saying? And so that alters, if you agree and you buy into those that, that belief system, you're altering your experience and perceptions of reality about yourself every bit as much as the person who's walking on coals or having surgery or eating an onion thinking it's an apple. Because part of our thing about being made in the image of God, so interesting that that's embedded in the first chapters of Genesis. Because if you didn't know anything about God, and somebody told you, you didn't know anything about the Bible, and somebody told you, there is a God, and here's how you get to know Him, and you start in Genesis, the first thing you learn about God is that He's a creator, that He creates, that He makes stuff. And then the first thing you learn about yourself is that you're made in the image of God. And the only thing you know about him is that he's a creator. So then what really is true and helpful is we create our own experiences by what we believe. So somebody can get you to believe that you're eating an apple instead of an onion. You will create the experience of an apple to yourself while you're eating an onion. If somebody can get you to believe that you can walk barefoot across burning coals as easily as you can walk across a sidewalk or or across your living room floor, then you can walk across burning coals and not burn your feet because God created you to create your own experiences and create your own perceptions based on what you really think and what you really believe. So Paul's saying, look, you were having this experience of the Spirit working in your life, doing miracles, doing all kinds of signs and wonders, because of what you believed, that was the integral part of your experience. But now you've been programmed to believe something else, so now your experience has totally changed. And the only way for your experience to change is not for me to pray for you, not for me to lay hands on you, but for you to stop what you're believing over here and come back to what you believed over here. That's how powerful you are. That's how much free will you have. And that's the power of your beliefs. So to the Romans, he says, it's time to snap out of it. It's time to wake up out of your hypnosis, out of your experience of darkness, and come into the light. And put off that stuff and put on. He makes it sound so easy. Just wake up, put that stuff off, put that other stuff on. But see, we think change is hard, which we create the experience of difficult change because that's what we believe about change. We think change takes a long time. That's what we believe. Then change will take a long time (laughs) because you're going to create your experience based on what you believe. If you believe I can't change, you're not going to be able to change. If you believe it won't ever get any better, it won't ever get any better. And you you can apply all the other beliefs. If you'll just believe that you're okay. I mean, if we could just get everybody to believe that they're okay the way they are we'd really accomplish something. 
But let's just say, if you believe you're, that you're okay, if you believe that you really can all, do all things through Christ who gives you strength, it, let's just say you can believe those two things. And so we give you affirmations and we give you meditations and all this stuff to believe that you're okay and that you can do all things through Christ. But you also believe that it's hard to change or that it takes a long time to change. Then you can sit there and do all that stuff to adopt those beliefs. But because you believe it's hard to change, nothing's going to happen. Because you believe it takes a long time to change, maybe you have to do it for six or seven months. Maybe what you could have gotten six or seven minutes takes you six or seven months just because you believe it takes a long time to get that kind of growth or change. Kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> but the flip side of that is it can also be very powerful to realize I don't, I don't have to dig around in my life and find out why. I mean, if, 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 if therapists had a money for... Every time somebody comes to them and says, why am I doing this? Why do I act like this? What? Well, I can tell you why you believe it, so you're creating it. I mean, what if that just became our standard answer? Why am I doing this? Because you believe it. But that's usually not what people are at wanting to know. They want to know who's, who's to blame. <laughs> Who messed up? Was it my mom, my dad, my school teacher, or my peers? Who caused me to be like this? What? <laughs> right? And so then we go on an, an archaeological expedition. Right. One of the best things I ever did was keep a journal of significant events in my life. And I'm amazed, like, like it's really not healthy sometimes to go back and read your journals. I'm just saying, but, but I'm amazed at times how uh, memories change in my mind. And then I go back to the day that it happened and I read what I actually wrote in my journal. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot it was like this and not like this. Anybody ever experienced that? It's really fun when there's other people involved in your memories. And then years later to hear them tell those memories. And like that ain't at all what happened. That ain't at all how I remember it, right? And then you can go back to where it is written, you know, where the information was fresh. And you find out, yeah, it ain't at all like either one of us remembered. <laughs> so I'm just saying memory's not reliable. I mean, they're even starting to discover that in, like, in court cases and stuff. That eyewitness testimony is not very reliable for convictions and stuff. In fact, it's the least reliable form of evidence that we have. And yet we rely so much on what we can remember, so we sit there and say, why am I this way? If I can just go back in my memory and figure out why I'm this way, then maybe I can fix it. And maybe it's just not that important. Maybe it's as simple as looking at your belief system. So here's my question that I think the Lord wanted me to pose to you. Where are you at? Like, did you have something, and were you walking in something or attaining something that you're no longer able to walk in or manifest or attain? And if that's true, I want to invite you to ask yourself this question. What happened? When did that change? When did that change? And then look for what did you hear? What did you believe? What, what, what changed internally that caused the, that experience to be different for you? Because then maybe you can locate the agreement that you made so that you can simply change that agreement and get back where you need to be. What is it that you or I need to snap out of? So it would really be helpful for us if we understood that repentance means a change of mind. That's what it means in the Greek. Repentance, metanoia. 
In the Latin, it means to repunish. Penance. Penalty. Penal system. That's where our word penance comes from. Penalty. Punishment. Re. So in the English, even when we say it, repent, we're saying feel really, really bad and punish yourself for what you did a long time ago and maybe you'll get okay with God. But in the Greek, it's metanoia. Noia means mind. Meta means to go beyond. It literally it means to change your mind. If we just change that one word in, in the Bible, I think the whole church would get a whole lot healthier. Yes. You need to change your mind about what you did. You need to change your mind about what you believe. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind and believe it. But instead, we have people dredging up stuff that doesn't even exist because it happened in the past, but they're feeling guilty about it because we told them since the time they were born, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. So whatever dirty, rotten things you did this week, you need to come down to the altar and repent so you can feel better and get right with God. That is a hypnosis. That is a spell that keeps us and prevents us from really having access to all the wonderful things that God has placed within us and that God has given us. And it causes us to experience ourselves in a dream state, in, 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 in a reality that's not real. Anybody have, ever have a dream that was so real that you woke up from it, either good or bad, you woke up from it and it took you a while to figure out was that a dream or wasn't that a dream? And if it was a bad dream, if something really bad happened, once you kind of snapped out of it and realized, oh my God, that was just a dream, you're, you're like, you're so grateful, oh, thank God that was just a dream. But if, but if it was something really good that happened, <laughs> you're like, oh man, <laughs> you know, like if you lost somebody and they're, they're in your dream and you're talking to them and it's so real to you and then you wake up, you almost go through the grief all over again because that person's not there. And it's like, because that's the power of our mind. And so when Paul's saying, wake up, what he's saying is, is you can live in a dream state that feels real, that looks real, that seems real, but it's not real. And, our pro, and, and, and it's not the good stuff. Like everybody's afraid of, like if I were to say you're a dreamer, that in our culture has a negative connotation. And it, it's not because you're dreaming nightmares. That's being realistic. That, think about how we think as a culture. Think about our co- collective consciousness. If it's bad, you're being realistic. If it's good, you're being a dreamer. Or if it's too good, you're just being a dreamer. But if it's real, if it's kind of negative, you're you're being realistic. So you have people that are dreamers, you have people that are realistic. And what you mean is you have people that think really, really high and positive things, and then you have people that think crappy things, and this is real and this isn't. And that collective consciousness can bewitch you. Does that make sense? So what if... The dreaming, the positive stuff, the thinking you can accomplish something, the thinking that you can break out of your limitations and break out of your patterns and go beyond where you've been is actually waking up. And what if the dream state is all that worthlessness and hopelessness and powerlessness and limitation and I'm always going to be stuck in the same patterns, kind of living Bill Murray's version of Groundhog Day. Same day over and over again, stuck in the same pattern, stuck in the same life. That's real. (laughs) What if that's the dream? What if that's the dream state? What if that's what Paul's saying, wake up from that? 
Wake up from that nightmare that you've been creating, manifesting for yourself based on what you're thinking and feeling and believing, based on agreements that you made, based on information that came from outside of you. Someone bewitched you. Someone put a spell on you. It came from outside of you, but you agreed with it. So now the teaching, the teacher leaves, but the teaching remains and continues to bear fruit. Does that make sense? So what if change was simply as easy as saying, what do I want to believe? What do I want to believe about myself? And then don't just go out and start doing affirmations because what's going to happen, you're still going to create the old stuff because you've got you to take ownership for where you're at. So here's what that looks like. What do I want to believe? What do I want to have and what do I want to believe? Then ask yourself the question, what have I been believing instead? I want to create abundance. I want, uh, I want to make more money. But I've been believing that I'm limited at this income stress because I'm too old, because I don't have an education, because I don't, whatever. Right? Then you've got to release, you've got to let go of those old agreements. Say, <laughs> so I'm going to release the belief that I'm stuck here. I'm going to release the belief that I'm too old. I'm going to release the belief that I have to have more education. I'm going to release the belief that I'm not smart. See, if I don't do all that releasing and let go of that stuff, it's not going to help me. That's why Paul, Paul doesn't just come in and preach the gospel to them again and say, believe the gospel. He invites them to look at what they have been believing that hasn't been working for them and says, you've got to let go of that and come back to this. It'll wake up out of that dream state. And really, I think any model of change, and there's hundreds of them out there, but any model of change that you look at is based on those two principles Letting go of something that you formerly believed. (laughs) Embracing a new belief and thereby completely altering your experience. Everything else is fluff. Everything else is dressing. Everything else is the clothing that it wears. (laughs) So whether the system that you're using is going back into your childhood to figure out where you believe that stuff so you can let it go and believe something new, it produces change, but whatever method you're using to do that is dressing. It's the clothes that it's wearing. If it's some kind of meditation where you're shifting beliefs and not doing anything with your past, whatever that meditation is, it's the clothing that it's wearing. It's the vehicle that's getting you there. But the actual territory is very, very simple. What do I believe that's causing me problems? What do I want to believe that's going to help me create something new? And then I let go of the belief that's causing me the problem, and I embrace the belief that's going to help me do something new. And if that's doing affirmations, if you believe by doing affirmations uh, a hundred times a day or whatever is going to change your beliefs, that's just dressing. If you believe it's getting into your heart and having the feeling of the belief, that's just dressing. And so we have all these tools available to us, and you just got to find out which tool works best for you. But the bottom line is, change is as simple as really changing your mind. But you can't just believe something new. You've got to let go of what you were believing before. So what if you let go of the belief that change is hard and began to believe change is easy? What if you let go of the belief that change takes a long time and began to believe 
Change doesn't take a long time. Change is really simple. (laughs) What would be different? But there's a lot of examining that you have to do. That again, working from the inside out. Does that make sense? I mean, we used to, as a church, and, you know, I love those days. We used to do a lot more, you know, praying for people and that kind of stuff. But the reality is, if your beliefs don't change, you can become dependent on that stuff. And you actually give your power away. If someone else lays hands on me, I get it. If I feel a certain state that lets me know that God's presence is there because they played the right song, we create this dependency. Whereas really, I think what God's emphasizing for us is you got to do the work. And the work is moving from the inside out. But it's simple. It's not hard. And you're not flawed. You're not broken. You're not messed up. You're not, it, won't, it won't work for you. It works for everybody else, but not for me. That's a belief. How come other people are able to change and I'm not? That's a belief. How come God always seems to move when the services that I'm not there and the services that I'm there are dry and empty? That's a belief. It all comes down to what you believe. (laughs) So, Lord, thank you for this. Just bless uh, your people today. Uh, Help us to implement things. Hopefully I said something that will help impact people today. I believe I did. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.